ahead and come back to your seats. But remain standing for the authority of God's word. Uh, you should have the reference in your scripture or in your worship guide. Uh, but it's going to be Luke chapter 10, uh, 38 and following. If you could turn in uh, your Bibles to Luke chapter 10, 38 and following. Remain standing for the authority of God's word. And then also in your worship guide, there's a paragraph in bold that we like to say after God's word is read. So this is God's word. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister named Mary, and, they, and she sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha. You are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. And we all say back to the Lord. Amen. Go ahead and grab a seat. So we are quickly wrapping up a semester in the Gospel of Luke. We are, of course, we are in chapter 10, and it has been a great semester where each and every week we have given you a passage concerning food or drink. And what we've seen the Lord do, or other people around the narrative, is use this idea of food and drink to go out and create community, to go out and con have people consider Jesus, or seeing Jesus actually engage people who are on the outskirts of society. And so with this food and drink, he wants other people to consider him and consider the kingdom. It's all been very positive. Well, this passage is the opposite. You actually see an example of food and drink, and you actually see this idea of food and drink as a hindrance of some. So this is the very famous passage of Mary and Martha. And what you see here is Jesus truly trying to make a point to Mary and Martha about what is the most important. All right, so here we go. Here we have in chapter, or sorry, verse 38, you have this intro introduction. It says, now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village. And there is our character. There is a woman named Martha. So this is what you need to know. Jesus and someone that's following him are going into a village and into a house. We're not real sure how many people are following Jesus. It may have just been the 12 apostles. It may have been the 72 that he had sent out. It could be much bigger than that. However, I think it's safe to say that all of the people with Jesus are able to fit inside this house. And here's our main character for this morning, a woman named Mar uh, Martha. And you notice that this is her house. So she is hosting Jesus. She is the one serving Jesus. She is the one that's in charge. And she has probably the gift of hospitality or service or leadership or all of the above. She hears that Jesus is in town. And she hears that he is going to come to her house and her domestic instincts goes into high gear. How many of you can relate with Martha? That when people come over, you're like, 
Aha, okay, here we go. We're about to host uh, the track team at our house, and so we've been sprucing up a graduation party next weekend. So we've been sprucing up, realizing that people are coming over, and so this domestic engine just riles her up because important company is coming. coming. How many times have you heard your mother saying, company's coming, so, you know, make your bed or something to that effect, right? And so this is what's stirring Martha's heart. In today's society, we love the Marthas of the world, don't we? I mean, these are the go-getters. These are the leaders. These are the ones that can get junk done. We love them. They are assertive, and they're able to walk into any task and able to accomplish it well. Some of you have heard of this. This is Fredo's uh, principle. And this is the, or the idea of the 80-20 rule, meaning that 80% of all that gets done is usually done by 20% of the people. Let me say that again. That 80% of what gets done is usually done by 20% of the people. How many of you are in the 20%? How many of you find yourselves really working yourselves to the bone? If you don't know if this, if you are the 20%, how many of you showed up early this morning, right, to set this place up or to tear it down? How many of you carry prayer cards home from a service like this and labor over these cards to pray for them? How many of you made coffee for someone else over and over and over? This idea is that in the 20%, you get a lot of stuff done. This is Martha. She's a worker, and she is the, a worker bee. And we need the Marthas. The entire church like this, right? It requires the Marthas of the world to show up and to show up and give their all. This was a gym just two hours ago. And an hour from now, it will be turned back into a gym. It didn't happen, you know, by accident. It takes other people to step into these types of scenarios and to do it over and over and over. This is what the New Testament calls service. And yet, she also is not just Martha that's a part of the story. She also has a sister, right? Now, Martha's sister, Mary, is very different from Martha. She attends to Jesus, for sure, but in a very different way. Where Martha is the host, where Martha, this is her house and she wants to serve the Lord, the way that Mary attends to Jesus is a very different posture altogether. What do you see? Instead of serving, you see Mary literally sitting at the feet of Jesus. These are two very contrasting images. So now you're starting to think, oh, which one am I? Am I more Martha? Am I more Mary? It doesn't matter at this point in the sermon. Just know that there's two characters and they couldn't be any more different. One had her home in the kitchen. The other one is on a, la a lazy boy recliner or something like that. We've all heard or seen the Marys, right? She's usually sitting in the front row. She's usually taking meticulous notes, right? Worst of all, she's usually raising her hand and be like, me, 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 right? right? So they, she can't get enough of the material. She's always studying. So this is Mary. She's simply sitting at the feet of Jesus. You've got the realist and you've got the dreamer. The realist is always about, listen, if this doesn't get done, right, then no one's coming over. 
That's the realist, and that's my best dad voice. The dreamer is like, oh, dad, it doesn't matter. I'll get to it tomorrow. So this may be extremes, but here we have Martha and Mary, a realist and a dreamer. And this is what creates the tension. Two sisters under the same roof, hosting the same person, and yet their priorities are very, very different. Now, there is a warning here, right? And uh, preachers have done this wrongly, and so we're trying to not make that mistake. And also readers or learners of this passage is to turn this into some kind of moralism or to turn this into some kind of priority as if we should villainize Martha and then also see that Mary is the ideal. To see one is bad and one is good, that's not the point of this passage. The passage is not about, hey, the thing that you should do with your life is to be contemplative and prayerful and always listen to the word and then you should never go to work. That's not the extremes that Luke is trying to tell us here. But he is trying to press in on what is your priorities. Some of you are in that 20%. Some of you are mission-minded. I believe that this is a passage for people like you this morning. So if you walked in with the weight of the world on you because it's your job to pull it off, then you need to understand that there is another road to go. And so it's not just a matter of choosing between one or the other, right? Hospitality or reading your Bible. Instead, there's something else. There's something else that should go on because the New Testament tells you to serve. I mean, this whole idea of serving is part of Luke's major motif or, or, or um, framing of this entire service. I mean, just one passage before was the Good Samaritan, in which Jesus says, go and do likewise. So what Luke is doing is not pushing service away and only prayer, but he is telling us that Mary is currently sitting at Jesus' feet. She is currently listening to Jesus' words. That what we see in her posture is she is truly enamored with every word that Jesus is saying. She is like a sponge. She cannot get enough. One is busy and one is settled. And this is what's creating the tension here. We need to understand that this posture, right, is really, really important. This is a little bit of a commercial, right? This is not the point of the passage, but probably should be said. Because of this one little verse, we need to realize that theology is not just a man's game. But in fact, we need and we need to realize that the women of the word are realizing that all of us, men and women, need to study and learn and understand theology in a great way. And we are blessed here at our church that we have both researchers and studiers and teachers of the word, both men and women, and it's wonderful and good. The Great Commission that tells us to go and teach all that I've commanded, it's not gender-specific only to men, but both men and women are able to go to learn and to teach. Now, we believe that the office of elder, right, and this idea of preaching should be for a man. But everything else, we love the idea that Jesus is not just encouraging. 
he's modeling this idea that women need to listen and sit underneath God's word and to give that away over and over and over again. I was expecting to get an amen out of that one, but uh, but <laughs> it was a little quiet, uh, but it's still the case, right? Thanks be to God. Verse 40 says this. Martha was distracted. So as Mary sat, it tells us that Martha had some type of emotional response. She was distracted because she served much. So with every minute that Mary was serving, with every pot that was stirred, with every platter that showed up at the table, with every like empty glass that was refilled, with every moment, with every minute, Martha began to stew. She began to, like out of the overflow of your heart, your mouth speak, she just started to get agitated. And what was once a glorious and wonderful offering as unto the Lord to go and to serve God joyfully. Jesus was coming and he, she was opening up her house to him. What's once started to be wonderful and good was now replaced with agitation and irritation and frustration and anger. Now it's less about how and why she is serving, but how she's doing it. It's in her attitude, and it's in her heart. And the word distracted should jump off the page. You see, the word distracted means to be drug, all right, or to be dragged off. Think about something being caught in a net and being pulled behind you. This is what Martha was. She was dragged from a priority. She was pulled away from something that was the most important. Something was jeopardizing what, was, what should have been the priority. And what was that? We'll get to that in a minute. And so the uh, mentor of mine, he was doing his first funeral of a congregant. It was his first uh, church and his first funeral. And it was the day of the funeral. It was about 20 minutes before the service. And he found himself up at the, at the front of the sanctuary and he was, he was fiddling with the flowers. He just wanted to make sure that everything was perfect. The family deserved as much. The person that they were honoring deserved as much. And so as he was just kind of fiddling with the bouquets and things, an elder walked up behind him and just put his hand on his back. And he says, Pastor, he was like, um, this is not your place. What the family needs from you right now is not for pretty flowers, but what they need is your presence and your prayers. And directed him to go to the back and just to sit and to pray with the family. This is what's going on. There's nothing wrong with fixing flowers. There's nothing wrong with serving a meal, right? We need meals to be prepped. However, there is in this picture this idea of a priority. It has gotten all out of balance. And so with this distraction, by being pulled away from what is priority, she jeopardizes some things. We hear that in her inner turmoil, right, we know that she is upset in some way. And so internally, right, she separated herself from herself. We know that 
she has ripped a relationship between her and her sister. And even we see later on that she is pointing to Jesus and blaming him. And so because of this distraction, just know that there is a waterfall effect in that what starts at something small can have a lingering effect on everything. And that's what distractions do. Who in here is distracted? Because that's what distractions do. It pulls you from the things that are the priority. With advancement of technology, it's amazing, right, what we can see and what we can do. I mean, we've got not just Google searches, but we've got self-driving cars and artificial intelligence. It's amazing. But with every one of these products, they promise more comfort and more safety and for you to get more free time. And yet, we are more busy today than we've ever been. We are distracted. Who in here is distracted. Who in, ye- in here feels like they are overly busy? You're not quiet, right? You're simply overly busy over and over and over again. The thing that we are the most distracted for and the thing that requires, right, us for us never to be busy is our time with Jesus. Our time to understand who the Lord is, to sit under his word, to pray to him in his name, to understand his glory and his grace, to realize that he is more beautiful than anything else. That can't be rushed. That can't be busied. You have to sit there. You have to get rid of all distractions to be able to fall in love with the Lord. But busyness is not just a modern day reality. Busyness was also in antiquity, right? Because this is where we find Martha. We find her distracted and her priorities gone. And so, what is distracting you this morning? What are you distracted by? You see, this is a sermon probably for the ministry-minded in here. The ones who probably got here early and probably going to stay out late. Those who both lead community groups or host community groups. Those who are leading ministry teams or serve on a board. You are the ones that are likely the most distracted. And what Martha and her lesson here is that all the things that she was doing for Jesus, she lost sight of Jesus. And the two are very, very different. And this is a real possibility for you and me as well. There's a tiny little book on my bookshelf that's called The Contemplative Pastor. It's by Eugene Peterson. And he has this chapter in here that's always stuck with me. It is called The Busy Pastor. And in this book and in this chapter, he says that busy should be the exact same phrase as an adulterer is to a spouse or embezzler to a banker. This idea that busy and pastor are busy and someone who truly walks with the Lord who is just frenetic in everything that they do, maybe the busyness is keeping you from understanding who Jesus is. 
he says this idea of working for Jesus rather than losing the sight of Jesus. He says this, when you are too busy, and here's the phrase that I wanted to give to you, even with the good things, we forget the best things. Notice that Jesus does not come down on Martha because she serves. That's not where the rebuke happens. And so you may have the gift of hospitality. The gift, you may have the gift of leadership and service. That's not where the critique happens. The critique happens because deep into her heart, she began to prioritize some things and saying it's you versus me. Check out this verse. And then she went up to Jesus and says, Lord, do you not care or do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. This is where the rebuke happens. It's not in her service. It's the attitude that she comes underneath. There's a sin underneath the sin. And this idea is that it happens fast. Think about it. She was just serving and now somehow she's turned sideways. One minute you're doing this and then boom. An attitude, an ungodly attitude comes out of nowhere. That's when the rebuke happens, when she starts pointing her, me, me, her, and starting to tell the Lord, listen, what I'm doing is the most important. Don't you see her being lazy? And so the idea of busyness can distract you in a way that you start doing some things you would never find yourself doing otherwise. So out of the overflow of your heart, you start doing some things or seeing some things or acting in ways that you would never think possible. First, it starts with a distraction. The thing that was pulling you away from the thing that is prioritizing you. And we all do that, and that's okay. But then if we're not careful, it starts to dip. And with that distraction, you start having some self-pity. Self-pity is not as glamorous. We like distraction, right? Boy, we've been busy today, right? And we find and we elevate that as a characteristic. But self-pity, don't you care? It quickly turned to self-pity, meaning it's all about her. The service was not as unto the Lord anymore. It's as unto Martha. And that's the heart, and that's where the critique comes in. She quickly turned inward-focused, self-focused, so she was not doing it out of gladness anymore, or even the spiritual gift. It wasn't supernatural, but instead she started to do these things, and then she blamed her sister. She is doing it wrong, and I am doing it right. And with my rightness and with your wrongness, it's up to you to fix the problem. How many of us can go through this in just a moment? The heart of the Christian is one who follows after Jesus. And Jesus was the servant of all. This is not a passage about demonizing service-oriented people and elevating people that only pray for a living. 
In fact, it's more about this, is that when you serve, how? And what is the heart behind that service? The crux or the climax of this narrative is this right here, is when she comes to the end of herself. She shows the priority is for her to get the glory. And so what does Jesus do? He comes along and the Lord answers her and he says simply, Martha, 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 Martha. I'm not sure what the tone is. However, I do know that there's only about 15 times in the scriptures in which the personal name is used twice in succession. And it's usually to get your attention, right? Be able to offer some kind of uh, attention to you and to grab your attention in order to share something very personal. Look at her. Look at her is what Martha just said. And with those two words, Martha, Martha, what Jesus is doing is prioritizing person. Not the problem, the person. What Martha should have been doing as she serves is to say, Jesus, Jesus. To give attention to him because he deserves it. Because that's where all of the energy is going. Instead, she has made it about herself. This is a term of deep affection and deeply relational. This is what Jesus wants to give to all of the Marthas in here, is that he loves you deeply. He cares for you deeply. But he knows that your service, especially ministry-focused, can quickly become about you. Martha, Martha, you're anxious and you're troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. This one thing. This one thing. And Mary has it. Wait, what? I don't have it? No. This one thing. And Mary has it. So what is that thing? What is the thing that Mary has that Martha has failed to have in this moment? It's quite simply and easily described as The very words of Jesus. That's what was soaking up Mary's attention. All of the words of Jesus Christ himself. Over and over and over. She was like a sponge being saturated in only the word of God. This is the one thing that is necessary. The very words of life are given to us by God and God alone. He points to Martha's sister. He points to her as an example. He points to her as a picture. She is the one that has it. And then he uses a pun. Not a humorous pun, but he uses it. He uses the word portion. She has chosen the good portion. When do you use that phrase? Around a meal. Around a serving side. What is ironic in this passage is that this is what Martha was doing here, Lord. She was giving a meal. She was giving a portion 
to Jesus. And what Jesus is saying is that there's a different meal. There's another meal. There's a better meal. There's a good meal. And that is the very word of God and God alone. That's what we need. That's what we have to gravitate toward. That's how we start our day. That's the reason that we assemble. More and more and more people gravitating to the words of life and life alone given to us by the Savior, Jesus Christ. And that's the story of Martha and Mary. And so let's not look at one as bad and one as good. Let's not demonize one and see the other one as a hero. Instead, let's look at the heart of our service and make sure that it is done as unto the Lord. But then also, let's realize that there is a portion, and it is a good one, and it's the one thing that is necessary, and that's the Word of God. So are you distracted? What is the number, the top three distractions in your life? And give those distractions. Let's just say it's um, detailing your car, um, notice that this was not in the notes. Um, hanging your clothes in your closet and shining your shoes. Let's just say you're one weird fella and those are your three distractions in this world. None of those are mine, I guarantee you. And those are the distractions. So quantify those three distractions in your life and give that a number as far as how much time you give to those three distractions. 30 minutes a day, three hours a day, three hours a week. Like, what is the thing that is distract, like the most distracting to you right now? Now compare that with the unmoving, sitting, glorifying, beautiful posture of Mary who sits without distractions, without being drug away from the priority of her life, which is to keep God's word ever in front of her. How much time do you spend in God's word on a daily or a weekly basis? How many times do you find yourself in an assembly like this, hearing God's word being preached? How often are you saturated in God's word? That's the reason that Jesus has a critique is because we too have been drug off. We too have abandoned our first love like we do, in, like we see the critique in the church in Ephesus and Revelation. Up to this point in our story, there's two ladies at the feet of Jesus. Both are commended and to say she is the example. Mary is no different. She is the one that has the one thing that is necessary and she has the good portion. And that good portion is no more, no less than the word of God. Amen? Let's pray. So King Jesus, we believe that you are firmly seated on your throne. And with that, you have left us the many commands for us to think about and to pray about and to study and to implement and then to teach others to obey. God, your very word, this is life. It divides and it conquers. It judges. It equips. It rebukes. 
God, we need your word because we believe that in it is the very source of all of life. How are we to be confronted this morning if it were not from your word? How are we uneasy right now unless it was your word that was spoken to us? And so I pray for all of us in here this morning who are distracted. I pray for the Marthas, the men and the women who are so very busy doing really good things but can't remember the last time they simply just spent an hour praying to you or sat down with their scriptures and just read from start to finish an entire book of the Bible or saw to themselves that to gather underneath your word was a priority of their lives so that they said no to the things of the world in order to be here and prioritize this. So Lord, whatever you are doing in our hearts, whatever you're doing in us as a community, I pray that we are people of the word. More often than not, we're not leaning on our own wisdom, but trusting in you and you alone. Psalm 19 tells us that this is a light to shine. So many of us, Lord, are in a dark place and we just need a glimmer of hope. Help us to find it in your word. Some of us are confused and need a voice of clarity. We can find it in your word. Some of us are stuck in a doctrinal knot, not knowing what to believe about this subject or that. Help us to lean and trust on your word, not on the the voice of this age. So Lord, help us elevate the word of God in our hearts. Help us to love it because it is better than honey. And it's in your name we pray, amen. And so there is another meal that is to be served This meal is not served by Martha, but in fact, it's served by our Savior himself. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he was the host of a great meal in which there was a table and there was a meal and there were elements. And Jesus Christ calls his friends, right? A new family, a new uh, people group that he called friends and brothers. And he says, I want you to come because I want you to learn from me. And he takes this very famous meal, this very uh, meal that's been happening for thousands of years. And he took the sustenance of the center of that meal. It was a piece of bread, an unleavened piece of bread. And he broke it. And he says, this is my body given for you. Another word for service. Given for you. Then he took a glass of wine. I think he may have poured it, but he at least shared it. And he says, this is my blood poured out for you, given for you. And so the only reason you and I are here is not because this place is great. The only reason that you and I are here is because Jesus is great. And he's called you and I to remember him every single week. And so in the back, there's two tables. And up front, there's two tables. And this is called the table of remembrance where we look back on what Jesus has done for us and we find our nutrition from him and him alone.
So we would encourage you, all right, to approach this table with just joy and gladness, knowing that he has served you so very well. So go ahead and stand, and these tables are now open.